I'm Bridget Owens, and you're listening to the Waxing Soul Podcast. Join me on an exploration of mindful modern magic, a journey towards deeper understanding of self and transformative individual spirituality. It's September 23rd, 2021, and on today's episode, I interview Laura Greenwood, a leader of a local initiatory coven, as well as a hobby biologist about her exploratory approach to spirituality and why we are sometimes too afraid to follow our spiritual curiosity. Are you ready to grow your soul? So for everyone who's a regular listener to the podcast, you know, uh, a lot of what I talk about centers around authenticity and spirituality and like forging, creating the spiritual practice, which fits each of us individually. So I'm going to be bringing on guests to the podcast to talk about their experiences, creating or finding their unique practices and how they found or you know, carved out spaces within the spiritual space where they can express and embody their authentic self. So today my guest is Laura Greenwood. Laura is a hobby biologist who loves to hike and haunt around her local area. And spiritually, she dives into the realm of spirit, enjoys studying magic, tarot, and the natural world. Uh, she also runs an initiatory witches coven and is a member of her city's pagan pride day committee. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So I know that your um, practice, you also talk about spiritual evolution as being part of your practice. So that's, I'm, I'm excited to dive, delve into that here in a minute. But first I wanted to ask, like, what was your spiritual background before you started down the path that you're on right now? That is not a simple answer because to me, it has always felt like the same path that I'm walking and maybe just takes different twists and turns. Uh, I've done some self-analysis and to me, it's pretty easy to see that I'm a product of the environment that raised me and that has molded me on the journey along with things that would come up and I would interact with. But I, I would have to say that just being open and being curious was really the foundation to where I got to the place I am today. That's really, no, that's really a cool thing to bring up because I think that, and I fall into that trap sometimes too, of thinking at different phases of my sort of spiritual history of like, oh, that was a thing that I did. Like, oh, I was I was Christian for a while and I did this, like that was a thing that was old me. And it really is all part of the same path. Even if you do vastly different things, like every part of that teaches you something. So, so thank you for, yeah, that's a, that's an important point of view that I don't often uh, clear, be really clear on. Um, so how did, how did you develop sort of a, a sense of, you know, sort of authentic spiritual practice for yourself? Well, I feel that the path I took was one that provided a lot of structure. Joining a coven really helped me reap the benefit of other people's experiences. And then it could also let me explore in ways knowing that um, if I messed up, those folks would be there for me. And I could confidently take some steps, try new things and still have that uh, feeling of like foundation for me. And then basically I just had to find what worked for me 
and that got filtered with other people's input. So how did, did you have that sort of um, approach to spirituality sort of modeled for you? Or is that just something that you always knew like this, I'm just gonna try and I'm gonna find out what works for me. Is that sort of a, a, a view that, that you ever questioned or was there a moment when you were like, oh, I could just kind of find my own path? I, I have always danced to the beat of my own drum and uh, that, throughout any stage of my life, I've always been one to be like, well, I really want to try something different, or I want to try it this way, or maybe there's a phrase or piece of common knowledge people bring up over and over again, and I'm like, really? Is it really that true? I want to find out. <laughs> so, so who or what has like influenced your spiritual practice the most? Ooh, this is a combination here between growing up in an open family, a family that was multiple religions, and eventually going off to college and finding that coven, that spiritual family, those two things are probably the highest on the list, uh, but it is a mixture of all my experiences. So questions that are like, the one thing or the most are, are a little hard for me to peg down. So, sometimes I'll wake up and I'm like, it, it might be different today, depending on how I'm feeling or how I'm interacting with the world. So do you ever like just seek out, do you ever just sit down and go, man, I'm just going to go find something new today? <laughs> sometimes I do. And I realize I've, I've been sort of sounding wishy-washy in my questions <laughs> and answers. Um, there's a little bit more method to it than maybe I'm letting on. I fully recognize that there are times when I want to explore and find some new strange depth, but there are times when it's like, oh yes, give me the same old, same old I'm comfortable with and the things that other people have learned and you know, transmitted that knowledge to me so I don't have to make the same mistakes. The one here's here's a a phrase that you used and i that i use a lot and uh i know this wasn't in the questions that i that i sent you but what does it mean to you for a path for something to work for you to work for me i have to have some kind of enjoyment or attraction to it you know it's very hard to get a person to do something they don't want to do so even if my goal is to run a certain distance. I, I might not want to run at all, but I try to keep my goal and my fulfillment like further down the line. I, I want to meet that goal for such and such reasons, probably health reasons, probably spiritual reasons. And I just have to take small steps to get there. I know myself and if I try to make drastic changes, it might not go so well. It might work out for the short, short term, but it might not. And it, to me, it's a much more practical, realistic thing to take smaller steps and do something that does bring me some amount of happiness and fulfillment. If you're enjoying this episode of Waxing Soul, the experience doesn't stop with the podcast. Each week we dive into a different part of the world of spirituality, magic, and self-evolution, and most episodes feature a companion download which you can find at BridgetOwens.com podcast. 
check out last week's episode where we discussed how to choose spreads to get the answers you really need, tips for getting clarity in the messages, and how to make friends with every card in the tarot deck. And come back next week when we will discuss the role of thought, action, and belief in spirituality, and how action is the key to overcoming fears, exploring the world, and evolving in your authenticity. Now back to the episode. So, Laura, I know your practice involves a lot of uh, research and trying new things. So how else does your sort of personality and your approach to life in general kind of come through in your in your spiritual practice? I try to be very practical in most of what I do. I need something that will benefit me not only in the long term, but also in the short term and can get the job done. This might be from a magical aspect. This might be from a mundane aspect that's maybe just spiritually adjacent. I also try to be very eco-conscious and environmentally minded. Uh, and this leads to me trying to you know, choose things that have benefits to my region, benefits to the environment around me and I have a, a strong vein of curiosity. So I, I really try not to stifle that. Um, and I think that one of the negative aspects of organized religion is maybe they don't promote curiosity as much as they could. So whenever I have a curious feeling, I just think this might be my curiosity. This might be an entity just trying to catch my attention. I should follow through with it and see where it goes. And that leads back to you know, something that brings me enjoyment, something that brings me happy when I can fulfill that curiousness and kind of go down those rabbit holes and explore. I know that you're one of the more community connected sort of pagans that I know. There's a lot of solitary practitioners and a lot of people who just kind of do their own thing. And you like, you know, that you've been a member of a coven, you lead a coven, you participate in community, like organizing the Pagan Pride Day. And how much of that is like really important to your spiritual path? To me, it feels very important, uh, especially since the beginning of the pandemic. It, it has come to my attention that community, it can be so much more deep than some people originally think. Um, oh, it's just to get together. It's just a, a group activity. But um, for me, and I, I don't mean to typecast myself as a Libra, but gosh, I do love to be social. And I love to see people have a good time. I love to get activities and events going. And that feels like tangible work to me. Not that my own personal work is any less tangible, but it, it does feel good to think. I can see the results of my actions. We're getting ready for the Pagan Pride Day coming up. And I feel that it's especially big this year to, to let people know that they're not alone and there is a community in their area, in this area, and they can participate. So what is your definition? You mentioned spiritual evolution as, as a big part of your sort of spiritual path. So what's your definition of spiritual evolution? I'm going to compare this to the biological definition of evolution, which is just a change over time. And I, I think that fits for spiritual evolution. I think somebody who's beginning to learn things and new to the path or any path, um, if they do the same thing forever, I would be concerned. I think it is part of a person's nature 
to change over time, to you take in more information, you learn new things, and you might find that things don't work so well, so you drop them. And that's perfectly natural. You can't continually take information in and continually add more things to your life. You only have a finite amount of time. You have to pick what works for you. I just finished the podcast episode series on, well, it was about tarot and self-growth. I think the sixth episode in that was talking about the difference that I see between growth and evolution, because they're two completely different things. My way of thinking of it is like the caterpillar getting growing into a bigger caterpillar is growth. It's not evolution until they become the butterfly. Like that's, it's transformative. And I think you're really, really right that people get stuck in sort of the I mean, maybe they're growing and sometimes it's just stagnant. <laughs> it's just, it's just practicing that same thing over and over and over again. And then, and then wondering why they feel so detached and feel like it's just going through the motions and mm-hmm. not getting anything out of it anymore. Yeah. I, I know there's a phenomena where people are just attracted to the idea of information or that might manifest as books, just sort of wanting to collect books and thinking that that is a good basis for your spirituality. And I I do think to a certain extent, it's a good foundation. Your foundation needs to have knowledge and should have experience-based knowledge, Uh, but just continuing to fill that with more information and not synergizing that or using it to your benefit is just not going to fulfill everybody all the time. And there has to be that transformative property you were talking about where you take that information or experience and make it yours. So do you ever have trouble explaining your practice to people who are sort of more traditional, more static in their, in their own practice? Like, do you, do you consider those types of conversations an opportunity to kind of open the world to people or are they just kind of a hassle? <laughs> that is a mixed grab bag, I think, because there is no governing body for occultists, there's no governing body. For witchcraft, there's no governing body. Uh, For Wicca and spirituality in general, so not everybody agrees on definitions and a lot of people get hung up on definitions. I find it much easier to talk about the actual things I do rather than put labels on them. And then if they're curious, I might mention some of those labels that I identify with, um, that I put on myself, but I, it's not my job to go around policing people's ideas of things. Um, it is a little bizarre though. I think Wicca is oftentimes a favorite punching bag because it has its own problems, just like any denomination. And then I see this on the internet. I see this on Facebook. And I'm just like, I, I get that feeling like that, no, I don't agree with that or what they say, but um, I don't have the time or the energy to go around and make corrections to people's assumptions about things. So I really, by and large, try to let it go unless somebody has curiosity or approaches me and wants more information. You come to the, the pagan meetup that I talk about all the time on the show and mentioned frequently. And I know that it's kind of a, a, a somewhat frequent occurrence that people will come like for the first time to, and, th- and that's a group where it's very much open to ideas and everybody's kind of sharing their own points of view. And so there's really not a like, here's how you do this. And it hits a lot of people a very wrong way 
to <laughs> to have this sort of open of like, well, I mean, you can do it however you want. And that that's not, not really a, like, you can, you can explore your own thing, find what works for you. And that's not, um, I know that there's a, a, a subsection of the pagan community where that's just not reality. I did a lot of thinking about that question because it does intrigue me, you know, the definition I have for witch and Wicca is not going to match everybody's. And then when we refer back to some of the old and great texts like Gerald Gardner, he had a different definition than what I have. Same with Raymond Buckland. Those two would use the word Wicca as witchcraft, not taking into account that witch is an English word for someone who's not Christian or a monotheistic religion. And then just to learn about how that word traveled as the British Empire grew. And basically, if you were a colonized nation with a native religion or something that did not mesh well into one of the monotheistic religions, they were like, that's witchcraft. And to think that, you know, there there are still places in the world where if you are considered a witch, your life is in danger. And then there's people in other countries who are like, all I have to do to be a witch is just say I'm a witch. Don't worry about the people who died being called witches in the past. I all, you know, it, there's a lot, I have a lot of feelings about that and none of them are right. None of them are wrong. They're all my own personal feelings. And it's just sort of an experience people have to go through for themselves to get to that point of finding their, an evolution of that definition rather than just a Merriam-Webster definition or TikTok definition. This is one of the big challenges with sort of a lot of the things that I do, because there's a lot of people who would argue that I'm not a witch. I'm comfortable putting that, that label on myself, um, that, that there are aspects of my practice that are, to me, pretty clearly witchcraft, but that I'm not part of any, I mean, I'm also technically an atheist. So that makes it very weird <laughs> um, for some people for, for that to, to be something that makes sense. I'm working on my book and, and finishing that up, which comes out end of October. Um, but there was a whole section, my editor sent me back my notes the, for the first run through. And there was a whole section that she was like, do we need this? And it was the section where I was talking about how when I say spirit, I don't mean it in the same necessarily mean it in the same way that other people talk about the word spirit like that has multiple definitions and so if that like my point of view is not to like you all need to talk about spirit the way I do but I have to make it really clear so that we're all talking about the same thing almost every spiritual term that we deal with has uh, lots of different meanings to a lot of different people and then all of the traditions that come out of that and all the ways that people practice and and I think that we should all make our own authentic path, but that means that we're all dealing from, you know, talking from sort of different perspectives and using words slightly differently. And it makes it really challenging. I, I remember the first time I heard the term Christian witch and I was so confused. I was like, <laughs> how is that a thing? This is no. And <laughs> that was a couple of years ago. I, I have since learned uh, more at this point. And, you know, I have integrated some folk Catholicism into my witchcraft and I am, you know, not a Christian at all, but I would absolutely stand up for anyone who wants to be called a Christowic or a Christopagan. Uh, just 
and that might just be from experience and time, I can have a broader view of these things than just accepting this narrow view of a definition. My own internal hackles kind of rise sometimes when people start talking about like paganism is all about being in a, a, you know apart from from civilization and back into nature. And I'm like, no, no, whoa. as a as an urban witch, I beg to differ. <laughs> like, the Sumerians. <laughs> They were all about their gods enjoying the city, enjoying the birth of civilization. Uh, and I think a lot of what our culture first goes to in a connotation for paganism is, is like this 1960s, 1970s hippie adjacent yeah. movement. And that's, that's just how the cultural zygist is about it right now. If you have a suggestion for future show topics, please tag me on any of my social media profiles. Find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook as Bridget Owens Magic and on Twitter as Waxing Soul. Visit BridgetOwens.com for information about my upcoming book release and other spiritual resources, and for expanded versions of the downloadable resources for each episode, as well as access to patron-only Q&A live streams and a monthly Zoom meetup, Join the page of podcasts here on my Patreon at patreon.com slash waxing soul. So Lauren, you lead a coven. So how, how do you help the members of your coven learn to kind of trust their curiosity and their instincts and to explore? I think there are two main functions that go on when working in a coven. And the first one is that we all get together and practice magic together. We read books and talk about them together as a group. And then that group function is just as important. There are people there to listen. There are people there to offer you their experience and you, you become part of that community. And just having people to validate your weird experiences, uh, cause I know we all have them, and I bet sometimes we wish we could have been able to call someone up and be like, I just saw the weirdest thing. What, what do you think about this? Uh, so I do a lot of listening and just, even if it's mundane stuff, you know, it's humans are creatures that need to be around other humans. And then to deepen their relationship with themselves, uh, once they have a little bit of book learning, a little, little bit of experience, I try to push their boundaries in a safe way that will, you know, allow them to spread their wings and give it a shot. Um, this is not like a sink or swim situation. This is more like, okay, we're in the middle of ritual and now I'm going to put some responsibility on this person to do something like closing the circle or make a ritual item that we will use at a next event. And it's something that they have to work for. It's something they can be proud of. They can reflect on it and see it as, you know, a, an extension of their own spirituality. What do you see? And this is one of the things that I really am excited to kind of get into, mm -hmm. especially because since I don't have a lot of you know, kind of guiding other people or teaching them or, or we do the meetup thing, but it's very mm -hmm. sort of just just like throw stuff out there. So you get to kind of have those conversations. So what do you see as the biggest reason that people kind of don't feel able to create their own unique, authentic spiritual practice? I don't want to blame our culture, but I sure feel like 
people are raised in ways that make them question, is it good to do something for myself? Is it okay to ever really assess myself? Or is that something that somebody who has authority over me should be doing? And people want validation. I think people sometimes might be afraid to reach out and practice because when you practice something, you might succeed, but you also might fail. And if you fail, it doesn't feel good. You might have wasted your time. You might have wasted some supplies. And people just need to know that's okay to do that as well. You learn almost as much from failures as you do successes. I know that there are some people who are afraid that if they do this, if they, especially with witchcraft, like it's this, if I do something wrong, there could be like horrible consequences. <laughs> and and do, do you have that come up in, in sort of within your coven? That is a great question to ask, uh, because I certainly ask people who have concerns, what is the worst do you think would happen? Uh, are things going to maybe fall off your shelves? Are you going to hear some spooky words? Are those things that are just, you cannot absolutely abide? Or are those things you feel like you could overcome? And this is, I think, where the experience empowers confidence. Weird stuff happens. And people need to have outlets to deal with it, whether that is taking it into their own hand, let me get my salt out and yeet out the spirits, or calling back up, or even just being like calling a, a friend and being like, you know, I saw a goose today and I saw a goose yesterday and the day before. And then sometimes your friend's like, well, you live next to a pond. It's maybe not that weird. Uh, some feedback about what's going on and expanding their perspective can really help. People like to trick themselves. It's very easy to do. It's very easy to kind of manipulate the mind. Uh, human perception is very fallible and getting some kind of verification, I think, is always a good idea. Did you have, did you have backup people? Did you have that kind of support network um, behind you as you were learning, kind of taking your first, first steps into some of this stuff? Absolutely. That was one of the main functions of the coven. Uh, that's not one of the cool, fun ones they advertise about, but it's like, now that you have some spiritual peeps, when things go weird, you, first of all, you can talk about it. Uh, these are not normal, normally things you would say to like, co-workers or uh, family perhaps, but it's like, yeah, I saw a shadow creature by this tree under the light of the full moon and then a candle lit itself. Um, <clears throat> so that that's always a good thing to express when these strange experiences happen. And then I never really had any frightful experiences, but there were times when someone might call me at two in the morning and it's like, bring the salt, there's something in my house. Okay, well, get it done. Well, thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. And I know we, uh, I kind of want to end up with giving you the opportunity to, to take the mic and share if you have like a, a tip or a trick or whatever for, for the listeners that you'd like to uh, impart your wisdom. I have several. Thank you for asking. Uh, my first one is don't let perfection be the enemy of good. And this goes along with that trying things and exploring. Uh, you're going to get the words wrong 
you're going to catch a sleeve on fire. You might even walk in the wrong direction. Le gasp. Uh, this is part of life. And these are things that happen. They're not buttons that are going to make something explode. It's just, oh, okay, maybe clear your throat, take a moment, recompose yourself, say the words again, or do the action again. And this time, don't drop the lighter. And then I do encourage exploration. I think going to those places where you find fulfillment, even if they seem really non sequitur, is a good crumb trail to follow at first. Maybe don't dive right into it, but certainly everyone can take five minutes to read a Wikipedia article about a topic and see if they want to go further than that. I do think journaling is one of the most important skills people can learn. And I'm not talking about these beautiful Pinterest journalings that take like 30 minutes to do one page. No, get one of those 25 cent notebooks, get down and dirty, write everything down, mundane stuff, magical stuff, dream stuff, and keep that as a record because it is so invaluable for self-assessment, it's invaluable because it allows you to express yourself and you don't have to worry about like this human's going to judge me for these things that I want to express. No, the journal is personal for you and it can be a very special thing. And I think my last thing is to just try new things. It's very easy to get stuck in your ways. They're comfortable. They are great. They feel good. But Every once in a while, maybe shake it up and see if you like something else by trying it and not just thinking about it. Awesome. Words of wisdom. So thank you. Thank you again very much for joining me on the podcast. And as always, I will have a download for this episode, even though it wasn't all of my content, but I will have a download available at BridgetOwens.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Look for a new episode of Waxing Soul every Thursday. You can find us on BridgetOwens.com slash podcast and wherever you usually listen to podcasts. If you can't find us at your usual podcast spot, drop a message to Bridget at BridgetOwens.com. All materials and resources except the music are copyright Bridget Owens. Music is Dreamcatcher by Kevin McLeod, used under Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International. Find out more at BridgetOwens.com podcast. Many, many thanks to my readers, listeners, friends, mentors, inspirations, and my family. None of this, of course, happens in a bubble. Until next week, blessed be and be good to yourself.